Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian. Joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. Hi-de-ho. These uh, sandshell turtles are douchebags, I'm just telling you. You have a what? Play, you play have a turtle? Portal night. Oh. Um, yeah. Also joining us is your co-host, Hunter. What's going on, everybody? I'm a little sick, so bear with me. Well, we're happy to have you, regardless, and hopefully, finally, uh, co-host uh, Spaz. Brought to you by Copious Amounts of Caffeine. <laughs> Aren't we all? I don't know how many monsters I've had over the last couple of days. Um, we have some guests with us tonight, my friends. Uh, joining us from uh, first Atlanta, Georgia, we have Jace Masula. What's up, guys? Oh, God, not again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Welcome. I'm back. Welcome back. Uh, <laughs> we also have. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry to hear you're you're sick, AC. Uh, also joining us uh, from South Carolina, Jeremy and Gianna. I hope I said that right. Masula, Gina, Gina. Excuse me. I, I hope I spelled that right. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to get for from you later. Uh, these are the guys behind the upcoming sequel to. Astrox Hostile Space uh, Excavation uh, called Astrox Imperium. Now, uh, I'm going to be honest, we have not had time to play the game. So we're pretty much coming into this blind. So we're going to, let's let's start from the very beginning. All right. Because we had you on a while ago. Like, what, about two years ago, I think, to talk about 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 talk about Astrox, yeah, because that came out in 2015, so it must have been yeah. about two years ago. Uh, big fans of that, folks. If you haven't played Astrox, by the way, it is ten dollars, and it is great. It is a really just complete, really streamlined, really fun experience that is that is worth three, four, five times that much. It's like it's like a really great game. <laughs> Whoa, that you should definitely that check me. out. That's okay. Um, but uh, now there's going to be a sequel. So uh, tell us first uh, when you started working on the sequel. I started working on it almost a year ago. Um, I started trying to uh, do at- updates to the original Astrox, and I decided, you know, I'm going to take it to the next level. I'm not done with this yet. I still got a lot more. You know, the the void that it used to fill wasn't filling that void anymore. So I just wanted to keep growing it. And I started working on um, the concepts for the ship editor. And I thought it would be really interesting to open the game up to allow a lot of the other players that were trying to make modifications to the game to give them the ability to start to, to do that in a much easier way by integrating the actual editors into the game itself. Oh, nice. And um, so does that mean you're going to workshop content this next week? Yes, 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 absolutely. Nice. So, yeah. Um, so basically, when I started working on it, I got I, I hit the limitations pretty quickly. And the original Astrox was built in as you know to start as a browser game, so I had expanded the, the best I could with you know what I knew at that time. And when I started looking back through the old code and things, I'm like, well, I got to fix this, and I have to go and redo the way I did this. And if I'm going to add this in, then I got to do these. And it got to a point, and I said, I got to change everything. And if I'm going to change everything, then why not start from the ground up? rewrite everything from scratch and do it the right way as a standalone PC game versus a browser-based game. So that that's kind of where it started. I, th- I want to say it was almost last November. So it was about so a year. The, so the first one, was it Unity, but it was browser Unity? or what? Yeah, what well, yeah. It was all developed in Unity, but Unity 
could export, the older versions would export into this Unity web player, which has now been discontinued and, and caused all kinds of weird stuff. But what ended up happening is, you know, by developing for the web player you, uh, and releasing on Congregate, I had limitations to file sizes. I had limitations in lots of areas. So I said, I'm going to strip all that away. I'm not going to have any limitations. I can do high resolution textures. I can, you know, make use of a good graphics card and see what, you know, see how far I could push it. And that's kind of what's done. Limited textures. So, yeah, it's been about a year. Just about. So what engine are you using now? I'm still using Unity. I've oh. Much, oh, yeah, I've gotten much better at it. Um, <laughs> teach me. <laughs> I'll be more than happy to, to get you started. It took a while to kind of really get a grip on it. It's it's not, you know, it's not a – people think like, oh, you just, you know, you watch a YouTube video and make a game. You know, Unity sucks. And I'm like, yeah, you can make shitty games with anything. But, you know, if you really learn what that software is capable of doing, it it is pretty robust in my opinion. There are several uh-huh. examples on Steam of uh, first day attempts. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can, uh, those those I are can, uh, I can sympathize. Those are like <laughs> acid, easy. Those are like acid store flips. Is that what you're talking about? Like, no, not even that good. Oh, I mean, it's just oh like, shit. Oh god, there's, but but nothing's quite as good as Milky Boobs. That's that's my, Dude, my come champion on, title. Come on, come on. Let's, I, I let's not. Let's I, not. I can't. Let's not. I, I'm gonna. I'm no, gonna write off and see no, if they send me a code. No. And and the the sad thing is he's not lying, folks. There is a game with that title. I'm, I'm looking it up now. Yeah, it's it's. That, let's not talk about it anymore. I just yeah, it's. Never speak of this. You, you know what? The next on next week's show, we're talking about how much crap and how much how hard it is, how much crap is on Steam, and how much stuff is on Steam. We could save that for next week if you want. Oh yes, oh yeah. yes. There there are some good examples of Unity being used in terms of some of the games on Steam as well. Oh, of course. There's a lot of really yeah. great Unity games. We've talked to so many developers that use Unity, and. Um, and really love it, but yeah, there's also a lot of uh, there's a lot of garbage out there. A lot of garbage. A lot, yeah, that's a, a lot of low quality stuff. That's a nice way to put it. Garbage. Um, so uh, let's. What um, what would you say are the big differences between the original Astrox and the new one, uh, Imperium? Oh, there's quite a bit. It's it's like I said, it's uh, it's redesigned from the ground up. So what I did is I read all of the suggestions and all of the reviews and I I chewed on it for quite some time to figure out what what were the key elements that made such a simple game fun like what was fun about it because I've played a lot of space games where I mean they've got beautiful graphics and beautiful mechanics but it just wasn't fun and I you you're like Ali uh, Ali <laughs> yeah a perfect that's a perfect example that's a no. perfect example yeah because we had we had a long thing about elite but I, I went into Reddit today, and there was some stuff, and I, um, I posted the thing. We'll get, we'll touch that tomorrow, or, you know, next week. Whatever. Yeah, we can talk but, about that next week. But it, it's it's a thing of like, basically, somebody just hit it on the on the head. It's like they made this awesome sandbox, but didn't put any sand in it. Yeah, and that's a great way yeah. to put it. So, it, yeah, and let's not let's not harp on it too much. But what's, but. No, but I'm 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 getting to some. So okay. the deal with Asterox, right? Because it's almost like that game fell 
not quite in like the idle clicker category, but it was a super casual game because at least as, as far in as I played it, you know, it was a couple hours, right? But it was like the game never got like hyper aggressive about murdering me. It was it was just kind of like I could just kind of chill, you know, and like it's tell, the same kind of game. Yeah. So it, it's uh, it, I think it reaches a different audience in that because it's like mm-hmm. you know because a lot of comparisons with Elite or not Elite uh, Eve, Eve online and especially like the way that mining worked in Eve. Um, and it's did that continue after that? Because you know it's it's like I saw it mentioned a couple of times in the in the Steam reviews and that. And is that kind of the same vibe that you're looking to preserve with the new one? Yes. It and and I've actually been in a lot of debate with Jeremy about this. How much of the idle stuff is is fun? And it, when you get to a point where I don't want it to be an idle game, it's not a game where you just like let it run itself, but I do want it to have certain elements that I personally enjoy. You know, I want to be able to say, okay, I got to go eat dinner. So I'm going to make my ship fly here. Or I'm going to set this up because it has this, I don't know. There's just something very appealing to having this kind of simulation running and doing what it does on its own. And you're still part of it, but you can walk away from it for a minute. You can be yeah. like, I'm going to mine these three things? rocks and go take a shit. Yes. Yes. Okay. Because in the first game, it was just you. Yes. And, 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 and now this, you can you can actually like have fleets go do your bidding, right? So well, not it's not just going and doing your bidding. So I after Astrox, uh, hostile space excavation, I said I'm not playing enough AAA games to really know what the standard is, you know. And just putting any kind of game on Steam, you're going to deal with a lot of weirdness. Where you know you, I'll have one guy that is like, man, this is. Uh, this is a really fun game and I really enjoyed it. And the graphics look like they're from 1990, but it didn't matter. And I was still able to really get a lot of fun out of it. And then the review underneath of that is the graphics look like from 1990. I can't stand it. And there's definitely a way that you can, well, what I'm trying to do is preserve that, those certain elements that made that game fun for the people that got into it, that were actually playing it. And now I'm going to upgrade the graphics to kind of meet that, that criteria with some of these AAA games. So I started playing a lot of Fallout 4. I started playing some ARC Survival Evolved. I, I, I went through and I learned a lot about just what the standard controls were for some of these games. And, you know, uh-huh. when you're when you're. Something else to add to it, too, like something we noticed, or at least, you know, we felt like there was a. a niche market of like a space survival game kind of like what arc is doing in a sense where you have to sustain yourself and like that's something that i haven't seen the market at all so i feel like that's you know a niche market that astrox imperium can definitely fill and that's kind of something that we're try to make almost like a survival genre out of the space genre Okay, now I want to give you big hugs and stuff because that's a thing that, like, we'll go back to elite again. Um, that's a thing. There's no struggle there, right? It, it's it's like I'm not paying upkeep on my ship. I'm not doing, you know. It's like okay, yeah. I've got this thing. There's only forward progress, and there's really no resistance other than the enemies that are too easy to kill anyway. So, so it's really just sort of a time investor thing. Yeah, um, and. What I'm looking for is more like, okay, just the the nature of the game resists you. Kind of kind of how Ark does, right? It's like your, your yeah, shit will pay if you just leave it sit. Um, 
you know, and then of course you, you come back and it's like, Oh damn, something came in here and ate all my dinosaurs. Cause my, yes. my wife plays arc a lot. And you know, it's, it's just like the, the yell of disgust and rage when she logs in and it's like, Oh my God, what happened? You know? And it's like, it's like CSI. It's like, let's look at the scene of the crime and figure out what, I know. Who what did went what? <laughs> Yes. So uh, to answer your question about the, the fleet mechanics, a lot of my inspiration for that is coming from kind of how the way Ark is letting you, you know, you don't tame the dinosaur or you're, you're not taming another ship. You're you're befriending these pirates or, or you're befriending these other people that are out in space. And depending on whether or not you decide to help them or maybe they're in the middle of a battle and you want to go and help them out or maybe you want to join the battle and help kill them to take their stuff. Um, the way that you play is going to open up the way that the, the whole faction six system works, there's six main factions with 12 sub factions. And the, the things that you do and the way that you interact with the other, you know, NPCs are going to give you the ability to hire other captains, you know, and they'll, they're going to join you with their ship. Have and you played any Drox operatives. I uh, no, I haven't. Okay. All right. We're going to stop the show here and you're going to go play about 10 hours of Drox. It's great. I'm writing it down. I'm writing it down. So, you know, the whole thing about, you know, you'll be able to to get members into your fleet and then, you know, you'll be able to switch ships with them. You'll be able to equip the ship and say, I want this guy to go and mine rocks in this system. So you're going to set it up. So set him up a, a ship that's perfect for that. I mean, you could send him out in the ship that you, you know, hired him in or befriended him in, or you could, you know, build him something much better. That's going to make him much more efficient. And it's going to help to kind of progress your player towards the more outer sectors. Because the way the galaxy map is set up now is completely different than it was in the original Astrox. The way it's set up now is you're able to explore. Where in the first Astrox, it was extremely linear, where each sector was like a level. You're trying to, to get past the next level of the dungeon or the, you know, the next stage, where this Astrox, is, uh, Astrox Imperium is much more... Um, free roaming to where you can say, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get out to here. Now you do have survival limitations. So in the new Astrox, you have life support systems where you're going to need to manage these four components from, you know, managing your food synthesizer to your water filtration, your thermal heating, and most importantly, your waste disposal. The shit has to go somewhere. So by putting all of those things together, you can then kind of have the ability to get further away from civilization to where you can start finding better resources, find another area where civilization is closer, because those sectors are not going to appear on your map until you start exploring them. So you're not that, gonna... that also kind of acts as a gate of sorts where, yes. you know, until you upgrade your modules to a certain point where you can sustain yourself to get far enough out in deep space to make it to the next step. So that's kind of going to be, you know, the checks and balances in terms of when you're ready to progress to the next stage now let me ask you something the survival stuff you're talking about if someone say you're someone like me who hates that sort of thing can, is there a toggle to turn that off is there like a way to turn there's gonna there's gonna be so many freaking options you'll be able to play yes. the game you could you could dumb it down back to almost the original kind of astrox procedural playthrough style Ooh, yay! But you're also gonna have a lot more elements to tweak and, and a lot more things to play with see I, so, I, I like options and i like the i love the sound of all the exploration because I don't know if you know, but exploration is probably one of my favorite things in space games, and not a lot of games do it really well. So it's really good to hear that that's kind of a focus here. I'm really excited yes, about that. Yes, very much so. 
And that kind of leads into another thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, when I was playing Fallout 4, I I realized that you don't have to make everything procedural. You don't have to have these things generate themselves sure. to create some this explorative nature, which, you know, I think I was kind of trapped in that mindset for many years to where almost every kind of game that I was developing always had this element of this uh, procedural creation to it, to the environment itself, not just for, for the graphic stuff. You know, it's fine that you want to procedurally generate some graphics. But when I was, you know, creating those sectors and where rocks would go and how things would be placed, I was actually creating a lot of the gameplay, you know, elements that would affect whether or not a player enjoyed or even had fun because he could have generated a really shitty map that gave him very few rocks. And, you know, he starts playing the game. He's like, this is not fun. I I can't even get off the ground. And then someone else could play the same thing with their random generation. And they're saying, this is really easy. You know, it's not enough of a challenge to me. So after playing Fallout 4, I decided I was going to have Astrox Imperium do both to where the campaign and the storyline and everything is in a non-procedurally generated world where I can hide goodies in areas and and create the kind of mood and feeling and, and atmosphere while exploring. And then I can also have the procedural side where you can generate your galaxies just like you could in the original Astrox where you're not playing a storyline mode. Where you're you're not going to find that lady living in some space cabin in the middle of nowhere. In the procedural mode, you know there'll still be a lot of those generalized missions and general encounters, but it's not going to have that that campaign tied into it. And, and I, I think just I, I wanted I wanted to add too, like the one of the big things in the original Astrox was that there was no like story element, and that was a big thing feedback wise. That yeah, yeah. They we're looking into to try to create a dynamic story. The story we got is amazing. Basically, that, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it we have worked like on it for quite some time. It sounds like you're giving players the best of both worlds. If they want a story, they can have it. But if they don't, that's they can right. just go off and do whatever. Or you can do yeah. both. You can do and finish the story, and then be like, I want to like a new game, exactly. like a new game mode, you're, basically. And so I want right to play. Yeah, I want to play again, but I don't want to deal with the story beats. Kind of like what Diablo 3 does in a way. Like Diablo 3, you got to go through the story, but then it opens up that adventure mode where you can just do whatever. So that that's yeah. kind of what that I mean, that's a lot me. like Fallout 4. Like Fallout 4 where, you, you know, you can pretty much like get to max level and never really touch the main, you know, story. Right. That's right. I, I My uh, survival save right now, I'm at level 100. I speak to Paladin Dance. <laughs> I still haven't talked to him yet. <laughs> Oh, we have a question from Twitch. Uh, can you have like a mixed experience where like there's a story portion of the galaxy that's static and then maybe some procedurally generated sectors as you go or are they separate? Um, I I absolutely can mix them. I don't want to give away too much stuff, especially because that kind of ties in with the ending. Um, but yes, to answer the question flat out, yes, that's a, oh. that's pretty much the direction that we're going. That's even better. So, <laughs> and you you touched on it as well, saying you know once you finish the storyline, you can continue to play in like that kind of adventure exploration mode, where I can make it to where it just generates as far as you want to explore. You know, the farther out you go, it just keeps generating more stuff to look at and more places to go. And so you, uh, could once be you give them a taste of some of the the exploration ideas that we came up with. Oh, I can't wait. See, it's it's interesting you bring up the static portion of all this because one of my favorite games is um, 1986's Starflight. 
uh-huh. that had some of the best exploration I've ever encountered in any game. And it wasn't procedural at all. Like, the map is the same every time. But there's just such a big map with so much stuff that you're still finding stuff on the second playthrough, on the third playthrough. You know, so you don't... So you're right. You don't need a uh, procedural... I, I kind of I love procedurally generated stuff, but I kind of worry it's becoming a crutch. I think that ways. I don't know. I don't know if it's just even. I'm not disagreeing that it, that some developers use it as a crutch because I've been guilty of that myself. You know, you don't have to generate the content if the if it's procedurally generating itself. However, you know, I think what ends up happening is there's something magical about making the world create itself. And then you, you do this and you're like, look at this, this thing that I made. But the truth is, is that thing you made really isn't that fun. You know, and I've seen a lot of games, um, uh, no man's sky that has a lot of the procedural stuff, but it's not adding to, to the element of fun or exploration. It's, it's really just being procedural for the sake of saying this was generated procedurally. So it's kind of like, you know, Look how close to God I got by, you know, making something create itself. And yeah, and it's like almost its own built-in excuse. It's that's like, oh. that's what I'm saying. That's exactly my point. It's you're you're doing it for the sake of saying that you are able to procedurally generate this much, but th- it's always falls short. I have yet to see a procedurally generated game where it doesn't fall short. You're like, oh my god, this is absolutely amazing. So again, I think I, the closest I think roguelikes maybe. Roguelikes can, can there you go. it off. Yeah. Because, yeah, there you go. Yeah. And again, Drox Operative is, I think, maybe some of the closest I've seen um, where you have a randomized sector, but it's still so full of things to do that, you know, it, it feels like kind of more staticky. You guys should well, play the reason that, game. that I The reason I brought Drox Operative up, right, is yeah. imagine you're playing Diablo in space because that's what it is. And then mm. there's different planets and the different planets are alien species that like each other more or less, depending on who they are. And they are playing basically a four X game in the background. And you're one guy that's out there uh, and you take missions from them. And, you know, it's like, Hey, go recover this it's artifact, so or go, go explore that planet for us or whatever. And then as you succeed in the missions for them, it actually advances them in their four X mm. game. Mm-hmm. So you can assist them to spread across the map or you can hinder them or whatever. And you you basically get a reputation meter with each of the different races. So And there's multiple ways neat. to win or lose, in fact. So that's what makes it just a little bit different than I mean, yeah, there's a forex being played around you and you decide what your role in that will be. But from game to game that can change. You you can decide which factions you want to help. You you can decide whether or not you want to uh, put them into some giant federation of different races, or turn two against one and have just two standing on on an alliance of sorts, uh, militarily speaking. If you couldn't tell, we really love Drox Operative like a lot, and and yeah, I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> Yeah, I got it. I got it written down. You know, honestly, I'm a big Diablo fan too. Oh god, if it had the graphics of like an X game or something, it would be forget about it. It's super indie, super super indie. But you guys get that, so (laughs) I'm sure that won't be a. I'm sure that won't dissuade you. Um, But yeah, that game. Oh my god. Anyway, back to this game. (laughs) 
so yeah, the original Ostrox did not have much of a story. I was, I mean, there was kind, yeah. there was kind of a story, like kind of inferred, but yeah, it wasn't slightly. like, but it wasn't like in your face, you know. But um, so what is like? Do you have like a like a bullet point type thing you can tell us about the story? Like what are like the some of the? Like, I can give you an overview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A thank brief you. Overview. Okay, so basically, I, I just posted a picture of the the uh, Imperium factions. But basically the way it works is you, the humans were down here running around on the planet doing thing. And these kids in a college started to pick up the signal that they believed was some kind of alien race trying to, to contact us. And they got a lot of, you know, flack for it and eventually found some supporters that funded them enough to, to really, you know, build the, the stuff that they needed to, to capture this signal. And when they did, they decoded it and found out it was it was like uh, software programming. It was like code. So they had to build a computer that would be able to process that code. And when they did, they discovered that it was an artificial intelligence. And they boot this thing up, and the first thing the AI tells them is, hey, um, you're all going to die. <laughs> so, of course, the world's like, what the hell is going on? And the AI informs them that, you know, just by natural cyclical you know, me- mechanisms of the universe that the earth was not going to be here anymore and we needed to find another place to go. So things started, you know, people laughed and they brushed it off and said, Oh, this is total bullshit. And, you know, 60, 70 years pass and things start happening where it's like other dimensions and things are affecting the planet. And they realize, look, we don't have much time. We've been goofing off. We need to get up. We need to get off the planet and find another place to go. So that they fire up this AI computer that, you know, starts telling them what to do and how to how to construct these ships and and do everything that they need to do to get off the planet. And in the process of doing so, you know, the, the Earth holds this huge lottery system, and people from all different walks of life are invited into what is this main ship that's going to take us to another place. And the AI has already found this place, and it's a few light years away. And what they're going to have to do is put all the humans into this cryo sleep. And the cryo sleep is going to let them survive this long journey that's going to take quite a long time to get there. So little by little, they start building the ship, and the name of the ship is the Imperium. So they get all these humans up there, and they realize, you know, the Earth is going to be gone in less than 100 years. And we're up in orbit, and we're ready to take off. And they start going through a lot of the preliminary, you know, checklists and making sure everything's in place to start moving this ship out to this location where it it has to make it to this first point before it can fire up this new warp drive. That's going to take them to this other place. And mind you, this technology is completely foreign to humans. I mean, this, this computer has basically given us instructions on how to do everything to get to where we need to go. So what ends up happening is as the humans are getting put under cryosleep, they only keep, you know, maybe a hundred humans awake that are going to go, you know, in shifts to make sure the ship is running while the drives are operating. And, you know, but the the remaining 500,000 humans are all going to be asleep in this this cryosleep. Well, the AI is going to control this alternate reality, this dreamlike world, not really control it, but stimulate it so that humans are dreaming the whole time. And that way, when they awaken this new world, it's not going to it's not going to be such a shock to them. So they develop this whole system where, you know, all the cryosleep humans are going to live in this, this like virtual reality community. So even though I'm in cryosleep, I can still visit you in cryosleep. You know, our consciousness is still awake. And, you know, through the whole process, we'd still be able to communicate. 
still have that that community between all the humans that are sleeping on the ship. Well, just before they reach the point where they're about to fire up this warp drive, what ends up happening is the AI computer, which is referred to as Alpharis or short for Alpha, starts to notice something that it has never – it starts to detect an anomaly. And the anomaly was that it had never been connected to the human mind in mass like this. And by doing so, it realized it took on something from the humans that it had never experienced before. And that was fear. It never, the computer was never afraid. It never made a mistake. It never did anything wrong. It was a perfect intelligence. But when it, by connecting to these humans, it was able to see all of our dreams and all of the things that we desire and the things that we're afraid of. And it was trying to create from our own minds a community or a world that we could temporarily live in while we were traversing space to this new place. And by detecting this fear, it caused an error in the program that literally started to prematurely launch this warp drive. And it starts to create, yeah, it starts to create a black hole. Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Half the ship gets through before the, the humans that are still conscious and awake on the ship decide to abort. And when they abort, it sends all these little tiny cryopods off the ship. And so half of the people are stuck on one side and the other half of the people are stuck on the other side and the whole ship goes through. And I don't want to get too much more into how things start to play out, but I can explain a little bit that, you know, you you wake up on the other side and the, the way the game starts out is, you know, it's just flying through this frozen space and you see this derelict ship and, you know, it's, clearly been there for quite some time. And as the camera slowly pans in, you start to see this one little blinking green light. And it's one of the cryopods that had malfunctioned. It, it didn't make it off the ship and the battery is running low and it's blinking. It's, it's hitting at its emergency levels before the human inside is going to die. And luckily it goes through an emergency sequence that launches out that cryopod and you're the person in the cryopod and you're discovered and a a space station picks up your beacon. They send out a couple guys and you're referred to as a refugee because everyone there uh, in this world has been there for hundreds of years, but you just woke up. So they haven't seen a refugee in 15 years where usually they pick up 20, 25 refugees a day. Now it's been years. And so you're like this new refugee that just popped out of nowhere. And they really want to know where you came from because they're looking for that original ship, which breaks apart into all these factions. You have uh, you have that the alphas, which were like the controllers, the the main computer AI system and the people that were you know involved in trying to you know keep it up and running and maintain it. And then you have like this other religious kind of faction and it's referred to as Temple of the Void. And the void was this thing that they had passed through. And the, the, this religious faction, they seem kind of crazy. You know, they, they are putting together these missionary ships where they're trying to collect people to fly into this black hole and the people are never seen again. So, you know, and then all the other factions around the outside kind of really embrace what the roles that these people actually played on the ship. You know, you had the workers, you had the labor people that were responsible for doing the grunt work and you had, you know, you had outlaws and, and mafia elements and, and bad people that had their own little agenda. I mean, they, they had taken a lottery and collected a lot of people off the planet. So it was, if we had just taken a sample of humans, you're going to get all the good in the sample, but you're also going to get a lot of the bad. 
And so once these people start to establish themselves in this new universe, then they started to separate just like they had on the ship. You know, you've got the, the security officers became part of the law enforcement and then and the laborers became the guys that were out mining and collecting resources, trying to build themselves a new home. And for a while, everybody worked together until things started to get a little crazy. And that's pretty much as much as I'm going to get in with the, uh, the storyline stuff, because the story then takes twists for every faction that you, you play through. So you could technically play and beat the game six different ways, but there's going to be a special way that if you can maintain a balance between all the factions, you, you get the biggest piece of the truth because each beating the game through each faction is going to give you a piece of the puzzle, but beating the game with a perfect balance will give you the biggest piece, which so, will explain quite a bit. So there are seven endings. Technically. Yes. And so how do you, uh, so can you join a faction or are you independent, but yes. you can do work with the, fa- Oh, Okay. And yeah. so you can directly you can join, join a you faction. Can, okay. Oh, you could join them or you can just be in good standing with them. You don't have to become a member of, you know, the the commerce faction or the contractors faction. You can just have very high standing with them simply because you do a lot of work for them. And the way that the factions relate to each other, if you're if you look at the image I posted, you'll see that, you know, the the for example, the yellow labor faction the laborers are pretty tight with the religious people. You know, there's a, there's a connection there. That's that green line. And the labor is also pretty tight with the law enforcement. Like they realize like they need to be protected by the law and they also have their faith. So they're, they, they cling on to their beliefs, but you'll see that labor is not very friendly with the trade. They're getting screwed over by the trade guys. They're always getting ripped off. They're always getting underhanded uh, between various different deals and things. So they don't have a lot of, a lot of love for the trade faction. Where if you look at the law enforcement, you know, the law enforcement is neutral temple, but they're directly against the outlaws, which starts to get into to the pirates. And the way that the pirate system is not, you know, people think pirates, well, those are just going to be the bad guys. There are really no good guys or bad guys. Everybody's good and bad. You know, you're going to have parts of the pirate factions that are all about looting and killing, but you also have parts of the law factions that are all about, you know, extortion and doing the same things that Sometimes law does. So it, it makes it a very blurry and gray area based on, you know, the choices that you make and the, the missions that you choose to do and the people that you choose to side up with are going to affect your faction rating between all six factions. Now, the way that the factions work as far in game mechanics is, you know, if I have a very negative standing with, let's say, the trade faction, that's going to affect any business that I do in any of the trade sectors. To where I could get a negative standing enough that they'll attack me just by flying through sectors. You know, these are regular NPCs that are going to turn their guns on me and start shooting at me simply because I'm against the trade faction. And those members happen to have high trade faction standing. So it will affect everything from prices and currency. It will affect um, the types of missions that you get, the areas that you can explore, um, and ultimately the game ending that you're that is revealed to you. So. It's going to be pretty interesting, and the way that we have it set up is is going to let you slide around quite a bit. So you'll be able to switch. You know, the trade hates you, and the labor loves you. You start doing missions for the friends of the trade. I start doing missions for the outlaws who are neutral to the labor, or I start doing missions to the law for the law who I'm friends with, but are neutral to the trade. And it'll slowly push those numbers up until all of a sudden their stations open up again, their prices get back to reasonable prices. I'm not being attacked all the time. You know things like that, so it will definitely have a, a a major effect on how the the end of the game works and a lot of the mechanics of the game itself. 
Yeah, so I'm going to need you to call Frontier Development and explain all this to them because um, that's basically what's killing Eve. Right. Elite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it does none of those things, right? It, like, the whole game is a reputation bar. It's like, I don't have a level, I don't have experience, I don't have, you know, normal RPG things, but I do have an exp- uh, uh, a reputation with whatever faction, right? Yeah. And it, and it seems like the carrot on the stick is that reputation bar, right? Well, it can. But I don't it ultimately can see it impact anything other than well, they'll give me missions or they won't. But nobody's ever hostile to me. It's it's not like I can't dock there because they hate me. Yeah. Oh no, you you can get to the point where they they'll hate. You. Fly through the 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 main center point of the entire Astrox universe is like this crossroads. So just to get through the security checkpoint, which is one sector away from the crossroads, you know, one jump towards any faction sector is going to start to, you know, check to make sure that you're legit. And if you have negative standing against them, as far as they're concerned, they get a bounty for killing you. You know, they're going to, they're, they're going to get the higher points for that. So absolutely they're going to attack. So you'd have to go and do some missions and, and, do things for their allies that you may not have a negative faction alliance to do some things for them just to push you up over the hump to where now, you know, they don't like me. um, The law is constantly, anytime I'm flying through the sector, they're always stopping me and checking me for contraband and doing all this crap. And I'm like, it's a pain in the ass to have low faction being in that sector because it's a harassment. It's like you're in a, a, like an, like an illegal immigrant or an illegal alien in their little country. And they don't want you in there unless you're one of them. So it definitely plays along with a lot of the, I think, human emotional things that we experience in real life where, you know, you have these ideas that, you know, this is the way it should be. But then your heart steps in and you're like, yeah, but this is the way it could be. You know, we don't have to hate each other. We could do this or do that. So it's still like kind of the way that Fallout did where you had to make really hard choices, you know, like shit, you know, I don't want to kill the robot people. You know, there's nothing wrong with the synths, but at the same time. You know, I don't want to kill the humans either. You're both right and you're both wrong. So it it gets it gets interesting with the choices that you provide. So um, what? uh, Well, I have a couple questions. First, how much like work is going into the background simulation to make all this reputation and faction stuff happen? It sounds incredibly complex. Um, it was. It, It absolutely was. But some of the things that made it easier is when you sit and work on what the, the the actual faction ratings are going to affect, then it makes it a little bit easier. You can kind of scope in on the parts that are going to be fun and you kind of discard the parts that are like, in my opinion, are kind of filler where you're, it's, it's almost like, you know, you want to make it realistic. You know, you want to have a level of realism because that's going to, you know, impact the immersion factor. But at the same time, that real is sometimes real life is not fun. You're not going to enjoy it. And I, the, one of my biggest gripes with playing Eve online, you know, I enjoy, I mean, uh, the mechanics in that game are fucking brilliant. However, right. it's just not fun sometimes, you know? Yeah, no, totally, totally agreed. You can go from action to board real quick. In that <laughs> and, and yes, and stay bored for a long time because, you know, you Trust made a me, bad choice. I'm on, I'm on my like 100th break from that game and I've been playing since 2008. Wow, I I've got an old character in there too. I just I'm not going to fire it up again. It's just not. I haven't played it in years at this point. It's just not 
I find well, with some of their some of their new um, offerings, it makes it easier to play because you don't have to pay for anything. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm playing a free character they're, right they're, now. And- they're- they're introducing battleships uh, next month, actually, for free players. Yeah, and they also and, and cross faction. And they added a thing where you can easily find PVE content, which is great for someone like me. Great. Yeah. So they're 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 working on it. Um, but I also wanted to ask you: say you can do like missions for someone's ally who hates you, and and yeah. they will they will start liking you. It, yes, it, it's it's. I have found in in some games that have that sort of thing, it's a tough balance between how many missions does it take to get them to like you. Like, you want to make it seem like it's a struggle, but at the same time, I don't want to do twenty, thirty, fifty missions just to move the notch up once. You know what I mean? Well, yes, I completely agree. So the way that I've kind of combated against that is the types of missions that you do and the things that you do for that faction are going to affect how much that rating if if the faction oh. saying hey if i need some i need you to go mine some rocks yeah you might have to do 10 10 little mining missions that oh. might take you two hours and it's only going to give you half a faction point but if i go in go on a combat raid or i go and do something that's much more you know like you're really one of us if you're going against our enemy then you're going to get much more out of it and once the the limitation that the faction has is they're they only hate you if you're below zero but as soon as you get point one now okay you don't hate me anymore you don't like me but i'm coming to say i want to work for you i'm going to show you that i'm not a bad guy i know i've been raiding your ships i've been stealing your shit i've been doing these bad things but i've turned a corner so now i'm going to start working with you i've I've helped your ally out enough that you'll let me in the door and now i can do missions for you to to pump my that end of the faction up real high (laughs) so that i can train the skills that are provided from your stations i can purchase the ships that are only made in your stations so there's a lot of very particular content that goes with each of the factions. That's pretty so, great because then you make it a yes. total risk reward thing. Like if I really want to, if I really want to get my faction standing up with these guys fast, I'm going to kill kill some of these other guys. But if I just want to do it slowly and not get into a lot of trouble, I'll just do like 15 mining missions, which will be much more casual. That sounds like a really yes. gr- that sounds like a really great uh, compromise. And with the risk reward, you know, now it's tying into the individual play style. If I'm interested in developing, let's say I want to go east, I want to be stealthy. I want to be able to sneak through warp gates. I want to be able to smuggle stuff through the checkpoints. Now I'm going to have to befriend the people that know how to do that. And that, those are the pirates. Now the outlaw faction, which is the, the main faction, breaks apart into pirate, which is I'm, I'm out to work for myself and get my own. And then the sovereign, which is, look, I'm not trying to hurt people. I just don't want to be part of the grid. I don't want to be on the system. I want to be out oh, in the wow. ass in the space doing my own thing. I'm not trying to kill people, but I'll defend myself. But don't come messing with me. Just leave me alone. So I love that when one. You get it, yeah. When you get out there and you're hanging out in these pirate sectors, yeah, it's more dangerous because the you know it's lawless out there and there's a different set of rules. But the reason that they're out in this far area is there's not a lot of stars. Now, stars are really, really key with charging your, your ship energy, dealing with your life support stuff. So when you start getting out there to the darkness, you have to be able to collect that light. So these pirate ships are actually going to have like mass and these huge solar type they look like sails because the the pirate looking ships are not going to look like all the the nice ships like the alpha ships are like the luxury ships they're going to look like really cool spaceships 
you start getting into labor stuff, that's like real clunky, industrial, grimy. I pieced it together, Diamond City, you know, kind of thing. You know, you get into some of the religious ships, they have some nice stuff. Pirates, their stuff is like pieced together at a junk, but they're able to do things that, you know, the law is not going to be. You'll be able to learn stuff at the pirate schools that the law would never teach you. They don't want you to know how to bypass or hack security gates, hack through warp gates and stuff. They don't want you to do that. Because if you, if that's how the law enforcement can chase you. If you have good standing with them, then in most cases, you know, you start getting jacked up and they can, they can come to your rescue. Now, after they help you out, they want a little payment. And if you don't pay them, then they say, okay, well, maybe we're not going to come help you every time. And that, that faction rating drops a little bit. You know, you have high standing. Oh, we know this guy. We gates. We don't have to do a deep scan on a ship to see if he's smuggling stuff. Or they don't like you and you're not even doing nothing wrong. They're pulling you over and harassing you constantly. So they're, all of the choices that you're making between the factions are directly affecting the gameplay. And the, the gameplay elements that are opening up skills and opening up ships, uh, giving you better prices for certain items, to eventually you get to the point where you're building your own outpost. You have to because you can't explore out far enough. When you start getting away from these stars, you're going to need to create an outpost. And this is where you're going to go and start storing energy, storing life support systems, your food and waste disposal, storing stuff so that you can now, you've got a leg that you can go even further out because you have to, you have to get really far out there to, to finish the game. So, so I think the faction stuff really, really ties in a lot with the story. That all sounds amazing. Oh my God, that all sounds a lot of uh, a lot of thought and work. I'm talking months of whiteboards and writing stuff tell. down, and I mean practically oh getting God. to a fist fight with my my brothers <laughs> over this stuff. I'm not kidding. Like we we got really passionate about it, and, and but we've we've been able to to figure out exactly what the, the best way to do it is. Now, I think we've got something that's simple enough to 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 feel good, but complex enough to feel like wow, this is this is worth exploring. Now you're saying that there are the factions have different skills. Uh, are these like yes. RPG type skills that you can learn if you yep. and and you can mix and it sounds like you can mix and match based on your your faction rating. If you get high enough Absolutely. with them, they will they will teach you a skill. But you don't have to get all your skills from one faction. No, no, no way. Whoa. You can't get all your skills. Okay, for example, if I want to go and improve my mining skills, I want to. I want better um, return rates. I want higher percentage rates on my lasers to my cargo hull. I want things that are going to affect my ship and my player that deal with mining and collecting resources. I'm not going to get that from the pirates. I'm not going to get that from the the government, which is like alpha. I'm not going to get that from the religious people. You're going to go to the labor people. They know how to do it best. So when I fly into the labor se- sector and now I'm starting to stop at their stations, their stations that have a university in it are going to offer skills that deal with that kind of stuff. Mining resources, you get better collection to pulling in Dynex. You got um, less energy uses on lasers mining rocks over this size. So they're going to help you with bonuses that deal with what they do. You get up into law enforcement, now you're dealing with some weapons. You get up into the alpha and the science and the civil stuff, now you're dealing with how, how you interact with other NPCs, how much, how much of your faction rating things are going to change based on your diplomacy. Then you get over into trade. Now they're teaching you um, better currency manipulation, things that are going to help give you better prices, give you um, better contacts. You know, so each of those factions has a whole set of skills that is 
specific and exclusive to that faction. Now, there will be skills that somewhat overlap. You know, that let's say the law is might have a skill that says, you know, something dealing with uh, warp gate tolls because there are some warp gates that have tolls. But then the labor also has something that affects warp gate tolls, not in exactly the same amount or even in the same way, but to to a degree, those kind of skills are in the same category. But you know how you choose to train your player in is going to be based on where you're allowed to visit, and where you're allowed to visit is going to be based on how you interact with those factions. Now, what you how- choose. Sorry, I was just going to ask. I a quick question. Go, 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 ahead. go ahead. No, you first. You first. I've been asking. All right. Go. go. So the, the, the quick question was, is your reputation going to affect the cost of that training? Absolutely. So, Not, okay. It affects everything. It affects everything to do with the station. For example, if I, if I go into a station and I want to make repairs or move stuff around on my ship, if I have low faction rating with them, they're charging me premium prices to do that. It costs me more to refuel. It costs me more for everything. And, you know, buying weapons and stuff over there that cost a lot more. Now I'm trying to sell ore to a faction that hates me. They're giving me crappy prices. They're not, you know, it's, it's just not beneficial to me. I can do it. It's just not going to benefit me as if I were to take that same ore to a station that had demand for it that I had a very high faction rating with. And they're giving me premium prices for the things that I sell. So, yes, every aspect of those stations in those sectors down to the NPCs that are in there are going to be um, based on your faction reputation for each one. So yes, absolutely. That's awesome. That's amazing. Now my question was going to be, uh, with all these factions and all these systems and everything, how do you find, like, say I wanted to learn a skill. How would you find out where you needed to go to learn that skill? Is it on the map? Is there a, is there like a finder interface? Like, how do you find where you want to go next to do what you need to do? Just like in real life, you search for it. There is oh. not going to be a – you're not going to just go and say it's a list of all the skills. There is no list of all the skills. There's no such thing as that. All the skills are associated with each station. Now, that sounds kind of crazy, but when you think about the modability, and then now I've added whole new branches onto these different factions that go further and further, everything is limitless. There is no hard-coded variable that's holding any – cap on the number of skills any particular faction can have, the number of stations, the number of sectors. It's I, I designed it in a way that it's going to allow someone who enjoys the game a lot says, hey, um, I totally built 15 new factions, 20 new skills, 8 new ships, and 14 new NPC types. If you want to download it, here you go. Just drag it into your mod folder and you're good to go. And all of a sudden, that, that, that sector that only had one warp gate now has two and it branches off into a whole new area that some other player created. So the limits on you know, the number of skills or where you find those skills, it won't, you know, obviously you're going to have some direction when you're first starting yep. the game. It's going to tell you, hey, you know, you're going to need to get some training on this stuff. So head over to this station. They deal with this. And then when you're ready to get some weapon combat, you talk to this guy that he kind of leads you over to another sector. And now you start getting some weapon skills from the law enforcement. And, you know, you slowly start moving around. You're like, okay, I get it. You know, if I need to learn these things, I'm going to have to head over here. If I'm going to learn these things, I'm going to have to head down here. So the different areas of the map are going to pretty much dictate where those skills are and the areas are held by the factions. So there to, to simply answer your question, there is no list that you're going to be able to search like, Oh, I need to get this skill. I'm going to have to go here. 
But after a few hours of the, the two, two, you know, going through the tutorial and playing for your first couple hours, you're, you'll understand how it works. You'll be like, I get it. You know, I don't, I need to get over into these areas to see what kind of skills they have and what things I can learn from the pirates or what things I can learn from the trade. Okay. Is there any like level tier skills? Oh yes. Yeah. Um, I'm now originally, I don't think I had any kind of cap on the level. Oh, I did. I think I ended up capping it at a hundred. But I don't think I'm going to do it like that in um, Imperium. I'm thinking I'm going to cap it at like 10 levels. Like you can level it up 10 times to be, before you become have like master proficiency at it. Because anything past that is you're kind of just doing it for the sake of doing it. I don't really need – I could probably do it with three levels per skill. But I think 10 will give me enough leeway to to fill in lots of little gaps. You know, I want you to have this level to be able to do these things and this level to be able to do this. So, so yeah, it will have a cap probably um, right now I'm thinking about, you know, so I'll be able to base the, the curve on the bonuses through 10 levels. Now, will you have to dock at a station to find out their offerings or can you like ping them from a distance? Um, Yes, you can ping them from a distance. So what ends up happening is there's lots of different elements that will help you out with that. Once you get in good faction standing, you can become a board member of the station. And once you're a board member, then you're going to have access to things. You'll be able to check prices from anywhere on the map for the stations that you are now a board member. You've you've become part, like not necessarily an owner, but an invested interest in that faction, whatever particular station you, you decide to do this on. And there's no limit to how many you can do it. It's just if you take the time and the money and you, you know, invest in the right people, they're going to let you become part of that station. So once you do that, you'll be able to have quick access from anywhere. Other than that, you're going to have to go to that sector first and discover that station. And the it's not going to give you updated prices. Like if I fly all the way over somewhere else, I'm not going to be able to just look and see what that station is. Again, unless I have, you know, some kind of standing with them that puts me on their board. But I'll be able to see the last price that I saw. So it, it just be like in you know real life, you go to one gas station and you write down their prices and you walk over to the other gas station. Well, your notebook isn't going to automatically update with the prices from the first gas station. But as you build up that standing with them, you can get it to the point where it does seem more live to where you're like, oh, I'm just going to check this, at least for the ones that you've you know established yourself at. Um, other than that, you're going to have to actually be in that sector. Now, there are some elements that will be visible regardless where you are. For example, you'll be able to – you'll always know where any of your ships are. You'll always be able to see where any of your storage information is. So I can say, oh, yeah, I do have this type of material in that station six jumps away because it's my stuff. I left it there. Of course I know it's there. But I'm not going to be able to check prices on a station that, that's, that is that far away. So it kind of adds more into that. I'm going to have to discover where the sweet spots are, go out and start exploring these outer areas and opening up, putting those sector areas on my map so that I can start seeing like, hey, you know, over here, I found a really good place. They're always in demand for energy. So I can go and mine these, you know, electron orbs and transport them up there and I can make a good amount of money doing that. That sounds amazing. We actually have a couple questions from uh, Twitch. Uh, the Give first... Me. First is how big uh, can the galaxies be this time? Um, right now I have it set at a hundred, but there really is no need for me to limit it because the way I've designed it is not like I did the first Astrox. I wanted everything to be completely moddable. So each um, station 
every sector, uh, um, all the items in the game, everything are flat text files. So what happens is it's going and loading up an entire directory of these files that tell you where all the stations go, where all the sectors go, and you can just keep adding them in there. I mean, if your computer can support 600 sectors, by all means, play a 600-sector game. So I'm not really sure I'm going to put uh, any limitation to that. To, um, based on what is on the podcast and what you're looking at in terms of the galaxies, there is going to be like a fog of war type deal where you're not going to just see the entire, you're going to have to explore to open up those yes. different areas. It's Absolutely. not just going to be, you get to see the whole galaxy. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yes. Of course. Uh, well, the other question was you were talking about, you can have uh, you can like be a chair. You can be a, on the board of a space station. Is there yes. like a high, is they're asking what's the highest position you can attain can you be like a chairperson of a station uh, you know i really haven't given it that much thought as far as like actually being the owner of the station or the the lead representative for that station i don't i don't at this point i don't have any game mechanics to attach to that to say if you're the owner of this station i mean off the top of my head maybe you get some money from the commerce that's happening there or you can set a dock fee but other than that, I don't have any real game mechanics that I would attach to that. So just by being a board member, it's giving you a direct line of access to the information in that station, i.e. prices, you know, the, the ships that are available for sale, news information, pilots that are coming through, that kind of stuff. So if I can, and it doesn't have to be me, if you guys can think of a, a really, really cool ideas to attach to why you would want to own the station or why you would want to be the, the chairperson, by all means, shoot me an email. I, I, I love reading that shit, man. I'm, you can totally be a chairperson and then take a little bit off the top, you know, of the of the <laughs> of, uh, of all the fees that the station makes. Just just a little bit for that's you. Just, just a little bit yeah. for yourself, you know. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. That's that's the, that's the best I can come up with at this point. I don't I don't well, know any I, other mechanics. The, the theory you could you could uh, have a you know, different roles, maybe like a dock master, where you're taking. You're taking a cut off of all of the docking fees that people, you know, when people dock, mm. they have a docking fee. So Ooh, I like that. Oh, that. that is a great. I idea. like that. I, yeah, I like that. Just made, have a dock master, uh, John Smith. <laughs> <laughs> you could do that for pretty much all of the services in the station. So maybe you're what you're doing is maybe you're not on a, a you know the the board. Maybe you're or maybe that's what it is. That's your position on the board. That's interesting. You're in charge yeah, of the you dock masters. Do, you're like on the board yeah, could, and yeah. yeah. Something like that, or the yeah, or the media center, master. You could have uh, yeah, um, media center. Someone set up as the, the merchants association. Yep. So if there's trade, then if it's a heavy trade station, you can take a cut off of that. Or if it's maybe some sort of research station uh, or an academy, you take some of the tuition fees. Yes, dude. I'm writing this shit down as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> So I wanted to ask, since you just brought it up, about how exploration works. Because you're saying you have to use exploration to find new systems. How yes. does that work? Is it like, do you okay. go out with like a scanner and try to find a yes. wormhole? Uh, I'll break it out for you. Okay. All right. So please. I try to get most of the stuff visually, you know, on the map. So you can actually see, hey, look at that bright glistening light over there. I know that's a warp gate. But not all warp gates are going to be that visible. You're going to have real warp gates, but there'll also be anomalies. There'll, there'll be things that'll be like, that looked like a rock until I flew up next to it. It's actually a funny little light. And when I get too close, it gives me a warp button and I warp through. And now I'm somewhere I don't even know where the hell I am. 
Like it's putting me off the map on this other area that nothing is connecting back. So the exploration, you're going to have a couple things on your ship. Mainly it's going to be the scanner. Now all ships have base stats. So your every ship, regardless of whether you've equipped anything to it, it's got, it has a built-in little scanner. That makes sense. And, all, and unlike the original Astrox where everything just showed up in that list on your map and you could see every rock and every pirate and everything. Now you don't see that. So, You'll fly into a sector and you're looking around. You're like, do I, what do I see? Uh, do I see other pirate trails? Do I see other ships in here? I don't know. So you activate your scanner and your scanner sends out a ping and it can only collect so many targets, which is also based on ship stats. And all ship stats are modifiable by passive modules. Now, I did remove modulators. There are no more modulators. It is just active and passive modules because in my mind – it really came down to modulators were the same thing as passive modules. It was just like, you know, just a subcategory of it. So I simplified it. The passive modules can affect how many targets you can hold in your targeting system. It can, it affects, you know, the, the, the range that your scanner will reach the speed that your scan ping goes out, you know? So as you're flying around, you can go up into your autopilot and turn on auto scan. And what it does is it just sends out these beacons. And once it fills up your targeting thing, no, it doesn't send out any more beacons. And you're like, ah, I don't care about those. And you just delete a few things or you click clear all because they were all rocks. You're looking for crates. You're looking for maybe something special for a mission. And it starts pinging out those pings again. So the exploration part is literally you're moving around, flying around, and sending out these pings that are collecting these items onto your thing. Now, once... Once they've been scanned, it takes a few seconds for that scanner to complete scanning that particular object. Now it's giving you additional information about that object, the name of the object, the class, the type, how far away it is, how much health it has, or how many resources it retains. So from that point, then you can actually you know, activate your modules and start doing whatever it is you wanted to do with that target that you scanned. But there's going to be lots of stuff that's not so visible things that you're going to be, you'll stumble on. You'll be like, holy crap, what is that? I'm, I'm afraid. Do I get close to it? I don't know what it is. You know, something, something else we were talking about is uh, like visually creating some of the galaxies to where they're, it's just difficult to see anything. So a large yes. portion of it is going to be basically relying on your scanner and pinging stuff to figure out what's out here in this foggy space looking thing that you can't really see anything. Yeah. So I'm actually working on a sector like that, Jer, and I'm doing like space lightning. So when it flashes, it illuminates all the fog and you can kind of see like for a split second, like, Ooh. Oh shit, there's something out that way. <laughs> Let me fly over there. Now, it, if you're really, really familiar with the original Astrox, trust me when I say that the flight mechanics now are Buttery. So you're flying around WASD. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really, that's really a great good. way to put it. That's a great way you're, to put you're, it. You're flying around WASD. You can just roll your mouse wheel in. Now I'm in first person. I don't want to fly around WASD. I mouse wheel back out, click an object. Now my autopilot is automatically steering me and I'm moving oh. my camera 3D around and looking. And then, oh, I'm getting attacked. Bam, right back in the first person mode. Oh, I need to open up my inventory. I press tab. I need to send a scan out. I hit Q. I need to open up um, my targeting stuff. I hit E. So it, and I, I got a lot of that from ARC, where all of the key bindings and everything are right there because you're moving it around. And I, you don't want to be, you know, jumping over to I to hit inventory. So you're just <laughs> pressing these stuff. Everything, all the keys are now bindable. So you'll be able to change the system however you want. So yeah, and a it, lot of that, 
a lot of that ties in with the combat system too, in terms yeah. of the movement, it's going to be a much more interactive combat system, you know, especially how you place your turrets on the ship. Yes, like, sir. We ain't even talked about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. So every active module on your ship has a range of movement. So in the original Astrox, you didn't even have visual side of the ship. Just the beams kind of came from the center of the ship and then, you know, they shot wherever they were going, but now you actually have to line these turrets up. So if you have a turret that has very low range of movement, I'm pretty much going to have to manually aim in your direction before those turrets are going to start popping off. But if I, you know, let's say my play style is I'm, I'm building, I have a very slow ship. There is no way that I'm going to, you know, be up on your ass and flying up behind you. I'm going to go broadside. I'm going to put all my shields on one side that are still going to cover both sides of the ship, but then I'm going to put all my turrets, let's say missile launchers, on the left side of my ship so that as I'm coming in, I immediately start to turn right and I broadside just like like actual naval battles where you, you're turning your ship and now all those cannons release and you complete the turn. Now I'm at my shielded side as my modules are recharging. I'm taking the volley from you against my shields and I've now completed a circle and now I'm releasing all my my cannons again. Or it's going to be like um, a combat dance of sorts. Yes. Like, think of it that way. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I got a fa- maybe I'm in a fast ship. My ship is so fast that I have to slow down for you to catch me. So I'm going to put all my modules, all my turrets are facing behind me. I just slow down just enough to bu- 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 and then boost up again. And now I'm keeping out of your range and I'm kiting you around. And, you know, so it, I'm it doing that. I'm doing that. That's exactly what I'm uh, doing. <laughs> yeah, come in close. Boom, boom, boom. Run away. <laughs> come back. Come back. Boom, boom, boom. Run away. I love that idea. I love that idea so, so much. So, yeah. So now the actual ships themselves become important. Are all the module slots where these modules connect? Are they on the bottom or top of the ship? Is it going to give me range of access to both sides of the ship? If I have range of movement of 180 degrees and I have a module slot on the top, well, that means I'm going to get a nice arc across both sides of my ship. Well, then I have another ship where all the module slots are literally on the sides of the ship. So now that same configuration that I was using, the same modules that I was using for one ship, I put those same modules on another ship and I have to change my play style. So the the way that the ships are actually designed are to give you lots of different options on the way that you like to play. So now exploring to find those ships that have the slots where you want them becomes a whole nother element to the game. It could be like checks and balances in terms of, you know, like for instance, if you're, if you're, trying to use that tactic and keep turrets at the back and keep at a range it you might use more energy so you can't keep up that pace long enough to continue to do that constantly you see what yes. i'm saying so there's going to be checks yes. and balances so you can't just cheese the system so to speak no no and then the whole time you're you're worried about star am i recharging my stuff enough Am I, how's my, is my life support working? My ship is taking damage. My modules now take damage. So you could beat the crap out of my guns and now I'm screwed. I'm like, I got to get back to a station to repair these because now I'm not even firing anymore. You know, so there's lots of, lots of different elements. And what's really cool is the NPCs are flying the exact same mechanics that you are. Their modules have to be pointed the way to hit you. You know, you're going to, you'll see, oh, he's all, all his guns are straightforward. I need to get behind him. You know, just like... Sorry, I was going to say, is there a way, like any kind of like tactical overlay or anything like that, where you can see like what their firing arcs are 
and anything like that? Is there any kind of visual element that allows you to see, like, I need to stay off their sides because their guns are all pointing forward? So, anything I, like that? Uh, right. Well, not at this point, no. But it was actually something I've been considering, um, especially with what some of the um, electronic modules. Like, I want something that kind of shows you that arc. Now, I'm already working on the stuff inside the actual space stations when you're placing these modules that are showing you those the the arcs and how much area of coverage you have and where your blind spots are and stuff like that. And it kind of makes me think, well, maybe there could be a module that's doing that for the enemy ships. So that is something I'm highly considering. If I can figure out a way to do it where it's not too GPU intensive and it's not, you know, just making a mess of the screen, then I will. So uh, Adam on YouTube would like to know if there's a way to target a specific system. Like, can you target their guns? Can you target their engines and disable them? That sort of thing. Um, not at this point. Uh, I don't know. Shit, that's not really a bad idea either. I mean, I, you should be able to target their guns. But again, maybe that's a module that you, you're going to have to get a systems overlay module or something that you're going to spend a, a, a slot on your ship for so that you could maybe target the ship engines or target the command or... Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. then, like, well, knock out their engines. I'm going to yeah, write that down. Hey, good, good idea, bro. Focus I'm writing it down. So then you can... So then you're you're focusing your scanner on that specific ship, and then you get an overlay of their... of where their guns are located, where their shields are focused. Yeah. Uh, maybe where their armor, if, if it's, say, better on the bottom than on the top, that maybe you want to position yourself above uh, that sort of thing, and then you can maybe have subsystems targeting can be on that. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I maybe levels of scanners them. or something like that. Like if you get a oh, higher sorry. rated scanner, then it starts to reveal those sorts of things for you, or something of that nature. Ooh, two birds well, with one stone. Maybe, maybe. Although you know, if you're going to have that to kind of see what that or, ship is able to do, or maybe I think you should sorry. spend a slot for it. I was thinking maybe a more like specific type of scanner. Like if you know you're going to do combat missions, there are more combat focused scanners that aren't great for exploration, but they're great for, say, letting you know all that stuff about a ship. Whereas maybe you have exploration focused scanners that are terrible for combat, but really good at finding anomalies and stuff like that. So maybe, you so only have one range. scanner slot. <laughs> Yeah, that's that what I'm saying. Cool. You have to choose what kind of scanner you want to use. Is what I'm saying. That you have to make that kind of decision. That's that's a, just my idea, anyway. Yeah, reduce your ping yeah. range, but yeah. then you you would be in trade off. You'd be able to uh, have more information when you're focused on just one target. That's that. You know what? I like that idea the best. That's the way to do. It. You're limiting the range. That way, I'm not because there has to be some cost to it. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. Like a combat focus scanner, maybe has a lot less range, but can pinpoint things on a ship a lot better. You know, yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, no, that's that sounds. I like that. Yeah, because then you have to make a decision, uh, like yeah. what kind of mission am I doing? I'm doing combat. Well, I don't need an exploration scanner, do I? <laughs> I need this. More, I need this yeah. slightly more focused thing. Um. So yeah, Adam, that was a great that was a great question. That led to some great ideas. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you much, brother. Uh, I'll we give you a shout out in my YouTube video when I feature. Oh yeah, his name is Adam Brower. Um, Wink and Twitch would like to know if there are like countermeasure modules like ECM or I guess yes. chaff that sort of thing. Yes, 
the ECM stuff, you're going to have to go to the pirate stations to learn it from the pirates because that's huh. basically what they do. They're, they they want to be off grid. So they're, when you go through warp gates, it's keeping track of who you are and where you came from. Think of it like a toll road or an easy pass. It's scanning your ship. <laughs> so when, when, you're, yeah, when you're smuggling stuff or you're doing something illegal to transport something you know, unknown to the alpha – it, you're going to have to have some kind of electronic countermeasures that are going to prevent the scanner, the the warp gates from scanning you. That are going to allow you to do warp gate hacks and all kinds of different little things. Or so to yeah. have it read your transponder as say a battleship instead of your freighter yeah. with all the smuggling equipment on it. Yeah, or you're fi- you're flying a false flag. You're, yeah. I'm a, I'm a cop like you. Don't mess with me, and <laughs> really you're not. Oh, so yes, amazing. there's going to be lots of ECM stuff. I've actually started um, – well, I've more than started. I'm pretty close to finishing the, the passive modules. And Jesus, man. Right now, I am up to 128 passive modules. Wow. The, those are just things that you are attaching to your ship. And this is the crazy part. That is just one of each type and class of passive module. So obviously, there's going to – you know, of the same type and the same class, you're going to want to have multiple. So, yeah, it's getting up there. But the ECM stuff's going to be a lot more fun because it has um, – I've saved a lot of the hard passives for later, you know, some of the drone stuff and some of the uh, mm. the ECM stuff because it, it affects a lot more game mechanics where, you know, it's not just like, oh, just give a 2% bonus laser damage on project or laser turrets. You know, it'll be, it's a lot more than that. It's actually f- uh, dealing with game mechanics itself. So Nice. I'm loving the sound of I'm loving the sound of all this. Now, uh we we've talked about missions a little bit, but I want to get into a little more. Like what kind of like are the missions are there is like a is there a separate is a, I'm sorry, is there like a set set type of missions or are there different missions for different factions? Like oh, what yes. kind of missions are we talking about? Cuz I love missions, so I want to hear all about the missions. There's going to be the general missions, what we call general missions, which mm-hmm. are that can be randomly generated. They're going to give you faction bonuses and deficits for every every single faction. It'll help. These guys aren't going to be happy, but these guys will look for it. So you'll kind of be able to pick and choose. For example, you, you say you have a mission to return someone to law enforcement. It's like a bounty mission. And when you accept that mission, it's going to give you a very high bonus to the law, but it's also going to give you a very negative bonus to this other faction, let's say the trade faction, simply because the trade faction and the law faction are currently in a dispute about whether this guy has even committed a crime. So by helping them obtain this person, you're kind of doing something a little shady against that, against the trade faction in favor of the law, because it's not technically legit that this guy even did anything but then you could do another mission that's a bounty mission with the trade, even though it's against the trade guy, the, the, the trade faction says, yeah, that guy's a criminal. So it'll give you less of a penalty for doing that mission against the trade faction. So you'll be able to choose missions that aren't going to affect your faction rating in a way that you don't want. Like, I'd love to do this mission, but it's going to give me too much of a negative bonus. But I could do another mission of the same type that isn't going to give me as much of a negative bonus simply because of the, the conditions and the situation revolving around a particular mission. But the general missions will be pretty, I mean, anybody that's played space games, you know what the missions are. They're pretty generalized. You know, go give me this, go take that, go kill this guy, go do this kind of stuff. But then when we get into the more, um, I guess, I don't know how to, the crafted missions, let's say that, 
where they're very specific. They're not general in the sense that it's just randomly generated. They're they're created, you know, I've created the missions to add a lot more into the immersion factor. For example, let's say um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the audio with uh, Imperium, not just the soundtrack, but with advertisements and commercials. I was really inspired by the way Fallout had kind of put a lot of that stuff into that, the, the Pip-Boy radio. And I was like, that's what you need when you're out in space. Like, you're going to be listening to music. You're going to be hearing advertisements, going to be exposed to um, like an immersive world. So you'll you'll have your broadcast kind of cut in and you're picking up a signal from some guy who's stranded out in the middle of nowhere. And he doesn't know where he is and his life support systems are running low. And if you can find him, you know, you keep hearing him break over your thing. Like think of like a distress beacon or, or something like that. Those types of missions are crafted where I'm creating the elements. I'm putting things where they need to be. It's not randomly generated. It's not something that is or procedurally generated. It's something that I've hard coded and say, oh, you know, you roll the dice and this is the mission you get. You know, it's a it's a crafted mission. And then you have storyline missions, which are, you know, missions that open up after you reach particular factions and you meet certain criteria. Then they start opening up some of the storyline stuff that you can start progressing through. So it kind of breaks apart into three different categories. That is pretty freaking great. (laughs) Oh, we have another question from Adam. Uh, oh, it's multi-part. multi-part. Uh, how advanced is the faction AI? Will they build ships, do their training on their own? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so um, I'm trying to – the way I've set up the game, and I, I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm setting it up for co-op and multiplayer. So I needed to build the universe as if it was a persistent universe, and by doing so, it allows me to create that simulation world where things are happening that you don't see where you know the the economies of the stations you know in the original astrox you had a base price you had that whatever that station's price modifier was and it affected all items in that station and it doesn't work like that anymore now i can go to a station and and they're selling atomite rock for 500 and i sell them some atomite rock and all of a sudden now there's two atomite rock orders up there that you can purchose from you can obviously you want to buy the cheap ones first because it's cheaper and then you'd have to, if you want to get the rest of them or whatever else is there, you, you'd pay more. So the station and faction AI is going to, it's all compartmentalized to the individual factions, which control whole. Right now I have about 20 sectors per faction and that will continue to grow, but it'll kind of control exactly how, when you, you know, visit a particular station or, or whatever, you'll be able to see. You know, that an NPC is just stocked in place to place to sell order. You know, you're looking at the market and now there's a new market item. Oh shit, this is happening real time. It's happening live. So you'll be able to fly to a sector and sit there and watch an NPC mine some rock and then follow that NPC all the way he's going. And then he sells that rock at a station and you can go and buy it. Or the persistence to where I'm in a sector and I killed some NPCs. And they had some stuff that I wanted to get. I got the good, good stuff, but they still had some other good stuff, but I couldn't carry it. And when I came back to that sector, I saw that other NPCs had came and collected that stuff. If you shoot those NPCs and kill them, you'll find the items they picked up off the other NPCs. So that level of persistence is is already there. It's it's already in the game. Dear Lord. <laughs> yeah. Because I do have hopes of, of turning it into a, a co-op type game. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. What? 
<laughs> this is going to ha- you want this to have co-op? I do want you to have the ability. Whoa. Okay, you just blew my mind. <laughs> is, there, yeah. is there a limit on how many players you're looking at? I'm probably thinking eight. You could get eight people Holy in. Christ. Oh, that's dear. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we're sold. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> As if that wasn't already obvious, we are sold. I mean, I was not expecting that. I was, like, thinking this is yeah, going to be a purely a of- single-player thing like the last one. Because uh, yeah, there's already of, so much going on. Sorry. Well, a lot of people have been asking me for for co-op play and multiplayer, and my reply to it is always like, if you player, go play Eve or go play another game that has that. I I don't have the infrastructure, the the monetary funds to support a, a massive persistent server where everybody can jump on and play. But I do have the ability to allow someone to create uh, their own little dedicated local server. Because the way that the game is designed, that's kind of how you're playing it already. And what I mean by that is you're playing in the game, and I say, um, while I'm testing, and I'm like, oh, I wanted to add this item. I want to check out this item. I just open up the station file, add the item ID and its quantity and its base price, and dock at the station, and there it is. So it's already kind of set up for that. So that in the future, you know, after its release and after we squash some bugs and get everything nice and polished, then I say, okay, let's go to the next stage. Let's try to get this co-op thing work. Oh, my God. That's. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun, man. I'm cracking out on it already. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm, oh, I'm really cracking out. I'm fanning myself right now. I'm literally fanning myself. I was not expecting. Oh, you, got the, you got the vapors. I got the vapors. Oh my! Oh my heavens! I'm, oh my heavens! Oh, someone, someone, get me a mid julep, and I'm gonna sit here on this couch and and collect myself. <laughs> Shit! Wow! I was that was a that was a nice slap to the face. I have to admit that was really great. Wow! God, there's well, already okay. So uh, someone asked earlier, and I forgot, but I guess we should start wrapping up soon because uh, we have to do this contest. Um, oh yeah, yeah, forgot about that. I did not. Um, <laughs> awesome, I'm glad, dude. I'm- but someone was asking, and this is a good question to start wrapping things up. When will this be available for people to purchase? Are you doing well? I guess the first thing is, are you doing the early access thing at all? Or are you going to go straight to 1.0 at some point? I hate early access. I- yeah, yeah. There's just something about I don't know. It's that ain't just, unfair. That is not unfair. <laughs> here, this is my gripe, right? I swear to God, I, I thought if anybody out there is listening and you make a great YouTube channel that will get lots of subscribers, you're gonna do videos where you apply the Steam world to the real world, where you walk into a, a, a McDonald's <laughs> and you say, "I bought I bought a burger here two years ago," and I. <laughs> Freaking upgrades yeah. are I pre-ordered Big Mac. <laughs> because I'm really, I, I just I'm not. I want. Do we get extra pickles? Am I getting extra condiments? You know, it's because it's, wait, it's, it's no yeah. longer a happy meal. Yeah. It's, a, it's a loot meal. Yeah, and you got to know what you're gonna get. And yeah, it's like, a box. And it might be fish. It might be the, a burger. The world. Yeah, the world of Steam is completely <laughs> unique to any other kind of, you know, monetary mechanism that oh I've ever God. experienced. You'll have people that are like, you know, I paid $4 for this game two years ago. I've got 70 hours in it, and I want to know, well, what's next? I'm like, dude, like, 
I'm just one guy, man. I don't feel like I have to fucking give you free shit for the rest of your life because you gave me four dollars once in 2015. Like hmm. there's just a weirdness about that, you know. So the whole early access thing is like, I don't know. It's just an invitation for me. It feels like it's an invitation for a lot of people to be angry that they don't get free stuff for the rest of their life. Mm. It's more about a loot box based progression you are, system. You are not wrong. It I is can see short early access periods for for a game that say you know you're going in for a couple months and then you're you're going to 1.0 after that you're just getting it out there so that people can bug test it do a wide and, test and, yeah exactly yeah, and then you're yeah. getting polish you're that's almost probably, done you're just trying to make sure it's done yeah that's probably the best yeah. use of early access we've seen is when like the game is almost done put it out there let people bug test it because you know you can only test it so many pe- with so many people you know. Uh, getting it out there, like in the public's hands, can be can be beneficial. Um, but yes, I, I agree. There I is agree. a de- sorry. Go ahead. I'm thinking. You know, I really don't want to do it early access simply because of that stigma that's associated with it. However, I, I do realize that there is a benefit to the community that's involved. And I, I welcome that stuff with open arms. So I'm thinking if I can get out there to a couple hundred players that were, you know, that enjoyed Astrox one and would like to, to contribute and help beta test and, and do some things, I would almost rather go that route and just give free steam keys to people, you know, in the end that helped me to, to bug test and make just sure we got everything working. You can write it as a closed beta through steam. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's possible. That, that's yeah. true. That's what, isn't that what the battle tech folks are doing? Yeah, yep. that's that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, and and uh, yeah, anytime a dev gives out keys, you know, f- a few months before the official buy it button is available, then that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, I'm going to look we're into that. Gonna um, do that with Quintet later. So yeah, it's. I'm going to yeah. check that out. I'm oh yeah, the, check that out. The Deep Rock Galactic guys are also doing that very same exactly, thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and so yeah, you get a key and you play it on Steam, but no one can buy it. It's a closed yeah. beta. And so that might work. And that, yeah. And I feel like, you know, that's a way for me to give back to the people that contributed ideas and the support, you know, because indie developers out there know it's not easy. This is not a, it's not right. an easy thing to do. No, and, it's, it's you know, I feel, I feel very blessed to the people that have helped me out, including you guys. So I'd want to give back to them and say, Hey, look, man, you know, here's a, here's a free copy. Help me, help me squash some bugs and, and we'll call it a day. Adam Brower, on, Adam Brower on YouTube says he'll help bug test. Well, you might have a cho- chance at that. You might have a chance at that, Adam, uh, because... Mike cut out? Whoa, whoa, oh, hang on. We may need to switch servers. Oh, I'm back. Yeah. Hang on. I'm back. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, Discord, Discord had a... Uh, had, a hiccup. Just took a dump. Okay, let's do this contest. So, folks, here's the thing. Uh, Jace has supplied me with uh, 11, 11 uh, sound files, which are movie clips from, uh, from, from space movies. All space movies starting from 1979 all to, uh, I think, 2016? I think some of our – I wouldn't be surprised if some of our listeners slash viewers aren't even old enough to remember 1979. <laughs> Um, Can we play? I was born. Yeah. Can we play? What was that? Yeah, you guys. Yeah, you can play, Gina, because you don't know the answers. So. Oh, Probably. sure. Well, what I was going to say is uh, 
you can basically after tonight you have a week to email uh, Jace at uh, J A C E at astroximperium.com and uh, this will also be on the website uh, so from now you have a week to listen to these clips write down your answer and email them to Jace to try and win a free key yes sir um, second place is KFC chicken scented bath bombs <laughs> is that a thing? is that yeah. is that wait is yep. that is that Holiday an action? Wait, fried no, you're is selling bath bombs that are fried wait, chickens. Are, are you? No, wait, wait. You're are, you're making that up. That can't be real. That that no. I I don't want to live in a world where that exists. Well, you better leave now because I what? Bear back going to space. I just took it in stream chat. <laughs> oh no, really? There. Oh, there's stream chat incoming. Bam. Oh no. Oh, oh no! Oh, spaz people do it. I don't. Uh, I. Uh, oh, oh God! I I just lost my will to do anything. I need Funny to go lie. I need I need to go lie down and just stare at a blank wall. Now he needs the fainting couch. <laughs> now he needs the fainting couch. Yes, yes. So uh, I'll, I'll, sh- I'll ship you over a Dream Star Cryogeriatric Pod. <laughs> I I will take it. <laughs> And I'll wake up in the world of idiocracy. Uh, yes, you, yes, you will. In the Flamingo Nebula, mind you. It's like the, uh, the, the retirement home of the future. You, you, you take your loved ones, you put them on the space cruise that takes them out and ejects their little cryogeriatric pod into this crystalline nebula. And eventually they kind of – the crystals grow over their pod and, and then you can visit them in space. It's like a space graveyard. Uh, okay. That – that's in the game. <laughs> I know, but the chicken thing sounds worse. The chicken thing sounds way worse. All right, folks, I'm going to play these clips, and then you are going to try and win this game. So hang on. Here's clip number one. That's cutting out. It's cutting out. I don't know what it is. It's cutting out. Yes. Shit, I don't know how to fix it. Of course, we're not going to make our guesses on the stream for these reasons. I'm guessing in the in the ad channel. I I don't know how to fix that. Let me let me. I don't know how to fix that. It shouldn't be cutting out at all. Freaking weird. Um, well, the other thing you can do is just link the things up as well, like under the post. All right, I'll do that. I'll do that. Uh, so, if you, so I won't play them here. I didn't know I'd run into some kind of technical difficulty playing a sound file over. We'll try, try the next one. Let's see if it screws that up. I'll try the next one. Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like it's doing uh, push to t- or uh, yeah, voice yeah. activated or something. It's weird. It's weird because not high enough. 
That's familiar. So apparently that's how we hear it in Discord, but the people who are listening can hear it fine. Oh, oh okay. All right, I'll just keep playing it. Here is um, – and I will I, – that's actually a good idea. I'll also include these on the post that I make on SpaceGameJunkie.com. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because the stream's going out from his PC. It's the desktop. It has nothing to do with Discord. So, all right, carry on. I have no idea what the hell that was. That was clip number three. It's cutting out. Apparently, yeah, it's, it's only cutting out for us. It's weird. It's cutting. Apparently, it's cutting out for Discord, but it's not cutting out. Uh, not for on the, YouTube for the stream. Yeah, weird. Well, I'm just Fine. gonna keep. I'm gonna keep going. Clip number four, y'all. All right. Relax, be cool, and whatever you do, don't panic. That's one of my favorite movies. That is one of my I don't. Favorites. I don't know what that is at all. I. I. I don't know. Here I'll give go. you a clue. I'll give you. Here's your only clue: genital mutilation. Oof. That yeah. that is kind of a clue. It's also horrible. All right. <laughs> clip number. Clip number five, y'all. of Earth, this is prosthetic Vogon Jelts of the Galactic Hyperspace Planning Council. As you okay, that one was obvious. Uh, <laughs> that's a that's a giveaway right there. That one is that that that's like the giveaway. Everyone should know what that one is. Um, here's clip number six. Well, it could be Battlefield Earth. No, it was not. Uh, <laughs> clip number six. Sounded, sounded a little bit like him. No, the bleeps. Oh come on! <laughs> yeah. Shh, shh. Creeps. Don't make me mute you guys while I play these. Okay. <laughs> that was almost another giveaway. Here's clip number seven. Yeah. You better get back because it'll be dark soon and they mostly come at night. Mostly. Yeah. Yeah, that that's an easy one. That's also another easy one. All right, clip number eight. Said I can play. I've got a bad feeling about him. Oh. You do? Yeah, definitely. Don't you? I don't know. I think so. You know, of course, though, he's right about the 9000 series having a perfect operational record. They do. I know that one. Like the back of my goddamn hand. I know that one. Yeah, that's All a right. classic. That that one's great. That one's great. All right, clip number nine. Um, Is this the Bell residence? This is the Bell residence. Could you call back? There's something wrong with the picture. I'm trying to reach Tess Bell. I'm sorry. She passed away some years ago. I know that one. God damn it. That's a good, that's a great movie. I know that one. I'm going to have to look at these answers. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good movie. That's a good one. I know that one. God damn it. Okay, number 10. You are fired. (laughs) 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 Well, he's that one lunch. Good philosophy. See good and bad. I like. I think I know that one too. Oh, you better know that one. Oh, I probably do. Okay, yeah. I, 
My, That's like sacrilege. Dude, my brain is melted right now. Okay, uh, clip 11, final clip. La- last one. Identify yourself. What is your type and model? That's the giveaway right there. Oh, yeah, I clear, I know that one. That, that, yeah, I know that, that one like, back of my hand. Yeah, don't say what it is. God. No, but I'm just saying, I was sitting in the theater as a child watching this. You saw and, that one in the theater? Yeah, because I was awesome. That was, and, uh, oh, man. And I had the action figures and everything. So, uh, But I'm sitting there, and, and whenever that happened, I wasn't, like, horrified or anything. I was just like, wow, I'm really shocked that they have that in a kid's movie. Yeah. I don't know if I would call that one a kid's yeah. movie. That was kind of dark for a kid's movie. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, well, Disney. Yeah, it's freaking Disney. The but thing. Yeah, it's, it's I know. Like, so They weird. went through a dark-ass period. They did. And that the bla- was like right in the middle Like the it. Black Cauldron. Have you guys seen the Black Cauldron? Oh, my God. That's like dark. That one. That's darker than their usual, let's just say. <clears throat> so, folks, uh, I'm going to put this up on the site as well for the um, – for the podcast entry for the on the blog, so I have links to all these uh, wave files as well. So you have until uh, next Tuesday, which is uh, the fifth. Now let's let's because the podcast is going up on the seventh. Uh, I mean on Thursdays. So let's say the seventh. Is that okay, Jace? If I make add yep. a couple days to it, so we're gonna yeah, give you, we're gonna give you all till next Thursday, December seventh, a day which will live in infamy. To, uh, to to enter this contest where you can, if you get all the answers right, you will win a key to this amazing sounding game. Now, for those of you who don't win, I don't know if we got a straight answer. When do you think this might get into players' hands? I am shooting by the absolute latest. And now, granted, I've given myself some extra time. Mm-hmm. Um, third, third, third quarter, 2018. Oh, so it's it's a good ways away, it, which sounds reasonable because it sounds like there's a lot going on here. Oh, there my is. God. There you is, know? and I've got I've got a little over, I'd say about seventy five percent of the core engine finished. So right now I'm kind of shifting gears, getting into a lot of content creation, lots of stuff. Um, anybody out there who wants to help me design some graphic images? And please hit me up because I could spend the next four weeks doing it by myself, but I'd rather be coding. So anybody who wants to chip <laughs> in on that is you're you're helping the game get done faster. You help make me silly, funny, goofy, and even serious in-game advertisements for the space stations. I've got these billboard carousels, and I want to I want to populate them with some interesting stuff. Oh, Do man. you want voice voice uh, clips or, or um, no no voice clips yet? Um, if that's something that you'd like to jump into, um, we could talk later about that. But my brother, my other brother who's not here is really talented at that stuff. And I was trying to get a hold of him to get him to email me some of the uh, some of the clips that we have already. But um, I, I haven't been able to get them yet or they haven't popped up in my email. So we might have to waste on that. Oh, wait, is that it? No. But it, Look at if, that. if if your game do, if your game end up doing all you planning on having it doing, it might be the space game of 2018, unless Star and magically comes out somehow. I'm kidding, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so so fucking kidding. Um, but yeah, folks, the game is Astrox Imperium. 
Uh, where can folks go right now? Because uh, I know you have an IndieDB page. Uh, is that the place to go to get info? Is there another place? Um, AstroxImperium.com. We've got a page up there. Trying okay. to just link up the posts that go. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is just my name, Jace Masula. And I'm doing three devlogs. I do a video every single week, every weekend. I do, um, for the first three weeks, I do devlogs. And on week four, I do a promo that just kind of lets you hear some in-game music and you can watch me play for 10, 15 minutes. And, you know, every, each of these, the devlog videos are anywhere from six to 15 minutes long. And I'm just walking you through what I've been working on that week. So you kind of follow the progress and, but I would greatly appreciate anybody sharing this stuff with their friends. If you have friends that are into this kind of stuff, please send it, send it along because it, it'll help, you know, build awareness about the game. And the more people we have looking at it and, and helping work on it, then the better it's going to be for everybody. If it's easier for them to get on Facebook, um, ask them to follow us on Facebook. Um, it's at Astrox Imperium. Same thing with Twitter and Instagram. You guys got um, you guys got the market all corner. The same. Oh, that's great. That's yeah, Gene is doing all that stuff for me because if I start focusing on that, then I'm only working the game half the time. No, that's Sorry fair. About that, but, that's fair. Um, you get, you, I try to post the videos on Facebook also. Um, just so, you know, I know a lot of people are on Facebook. And then mm-hmm. as far as, like, graphics go, a lot of those go on Instagram. And then Twitter is just kind of for, like, communication with, you know, other gamers and mm-hmm. any, like, exciting news or that kind of thing. Um, and then, like, free wallpapers. Jace gave me some free wallpapers, so I've been... You know, posting those today because we've got some super fans um, on Facebook that are following like every move we make, which is oh, pretty that's cool. Great. That's great. Um, I actually tagged them, um, so they're probably. I know that a couple of them are watching us on YouTube right now. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a guy I wanted to say. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Thank you, uh, Peter Colts. He's been like super responsive and supportive, sharing all of the, you know our stuff. Yeah, Peter. Peter. <laughs> um, Joshua Goodwin's another one. Fuck um, yeah, Josh. <laughs> so, uh, Jeff <laughs> Sorry, I, I need some sleep, gentlemen. I have not slept very well the past few days. No, me neither. I'm, but no, I'm we, we appreciate the support and just, you know, the, the yes, sharing very much and all that stuff. So I just wanted to throw some names out there. I can't think off the top of my head all of them, but well, uh, well, guys, people that are all about it. Well, guys, we were super – we were – excited about the game before because we all liked Astrox but now holy garbage this might be like at the top of my list for most anticipated game Jace has literally been cracking out on this I'm game I'm a crackhead yeah. <laughs> every time I see him I'm a crackhead and that's what he's doing I don't know when he sleeps and I don't know when he eats I've witnessed like, him eat like three times but I don't even know why he, people ask me what I'm doing okay what you doing like you know what I'm doing Okay. I don't think I asked you what you're doing, <laughs> to be honest. I already know, but um, because yeah. oh he eats, sleeps, Astrox, so it's gonna be fucking badass. Well, and, um, oh my so god, you guys all know each other from because you're kind of separated geography. Yeah, uh, they. My whole family lives in South Carolina. Um, so 
Gina being my sister-in-law, Jeremy's my brother. I have another brother, John, which you guys haven't been exposed to yet, but I'm going to get him on a podcast all the, with you guys. All the J's, all the J's. You're like, you're like my family. We're all B's. Yeah. We're, we're all B's. He's, you guys got, are all J's. He's, he's got some mag- magical charisma that you guys would definitely enjoy. Yeah. Well, so we'll you have- probably do have my name spelled right because it is Gina with a J and it looks like Gianna. So. That's probably how I spelled it, J-E-A-N-A. That's how I spelled it. Here, I'll That's spell exactly it for you. Oh, great. So don't even – don't listen to Jace. He's going to put a VA in front of it. <laughs> oh, jeez. The <laughs> Vakakin. We, we, so we, we, we bring the class, folks. We, we bring the class to, uh, to, to indie gaming. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I apologize. I got, a, I got a filthy mind and a dirty mouth. No, it's, it's okay. I'm it's, used to it. It's totally I'm fine. used to it. It's funny. Crazy nicknames. So. <laughs> but yeah, um, Jace is my brother and Jeremy's my husband. And well, so that's how we're all connected. It's really and, kind of adorable, actually. It's kind of a family affair. <laughs> it's really kind of cute. Yeah. Um, so guys, I want to thank you for coming on and telling us so much about this game. It sounds goddamn amazing. Like, seriously. Holy yep, crap. We're getting there. Holy crap. The graphics are fucking beautiful. Oh my God. <laughs> box quote. The graphics are fucking beautiful. That's the box quote, right? They're there. fucking amazing. <laughs> I've been using them for my, <laughs> for all of my cover photos or everything. <laughs> I've been watching this video. I haven't actually like watched the video, but I watched the video I downloaded. It was your latest dev blog, and they do look quite lovely. They do. Uh, yeah, I, that's yeah. probably the least thing that I care about is the graphic stuff, and I'm really trying but, to make it fun. Right, like, but some people really care about that. So I know. I'm. That's why I've been I taking do. my time, taking my time, trying that's, to make it pretty. That's every that's, time Jace goes to show me something, I'm like, just like. All I can think of is graphics, graphics, graphics. <laughs> he's, he's trying to explain something to me. And I'm just like staring. That's so pretty. Yeah. So, uh, well, folks, just a couple of. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you? Or I didn't know if I was interrupting you. Were you done? No, no, no. I'm done. I'm sorry. So, folks, just a couple quick programming notes uh, before we wrap up. Uh, this Thursday for our uh, tabletop land party, we are going to be playing. Was it Brass Empire? That's what it's called. That's correct. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a thing for tabletop simulator, uh, and it looks really fun. And it looks fairly quick playing, which is great for me. It is. It's it's <laughs> quick, like uh, like Star Realms is quick. Maybe a little bit longer per game, but that's not bad. That's not bad. Star Realms isn't really fa- really slow at all. And then next, what's it called? Ass Vampire. Uh, yes. Um, and so next week on the show, this is the last show we have of the year with uh, guests because I didn't want to invite anyone on December because December's crazy for everyone, you know. So I figured we'll keep December open. So we're going to do some topic shows. And next week's topic is um, the problem of game discoverability how hard it is to find games, how hard it is for devs to get their games discovered. That sort of thing, like because there was an article earlier this year that apparently six at least six thousand games have hit Steam this year, which is more yeah, than wow. like the January to November. Yeah, yeah. which is which is the more than like part. the last several years combined. The sad part is six thousand new games this year. They have the Steam sale, and I can't find a single fucking thing to buy. 
I bought like so one thing. That speaks for maybe the quality. Two. Yeah. Of the six well, it also speaks that we already have everything we want in a lot of ways. Yeah, we have most of what we want, and discoverability is an issue. So for, yeah, we, we we'll talk about more on that next week. Yeah, exactly. So that's our topic for next week. Uh, Masula's J J Masula J Masula and J Masula. You're all JF. You're all JF. All three of you. Yes. Sir. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank you guys for taking the time uh, to talk to us. We are very excited about your game. And folks, remember that. Remember the contest. This will uh, this will be posted on the website in a day or two. Uh, probably what's uh, that's going to be the thirtieth. Uh, yeah. And so it'll probably go up in the 30th and there'll be the sound files on the post and, uh, you'll be there. And so there'll be 11 clips you have to listen to and email Jace your answers. So if you email them the right answers, you get the game. So make sure you know your space movies. I love this idea, by the way. It was a great idea. Oh God. Great news, Jace. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. So, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We had a great turnout tonight, by the way. You guys brought him in. So, thank you. Uh, everyone, I want to thank you for listening and watching. And we will see you uh, next week. Have a great night, everyone. Bye-bye. See you, guys. Nice to meet all of you.